This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. So what does it mean to be data-driven? In our organizations, we hear a lot about the need to be data-driven in our decision-making, in evaluating our strategy, how our operations, uh, in driving value, and more. And what I'm referring to here is you know, stuff we hear in articles and conferences from our executives and leaders all around our organizations. This is not just a, uh, a data people thing. So what does it really mean to be data-driven then? And how can we approach it? Is it a technical thing to implement? Like, do we buy it? Or is it a people thing, a skill thing? Maybe some kind of mix between the two. Well, to figure this all out, we brought in a great friend of Calibra's. So let's get into it. I'm uh, Nico Huibrechts. I'm a father of uh, two very nice daughters, but actually I had a first child in 2015, which was a data shift company I started. We're now eight and a half years down the road, over 100 consultants with one ambition, one mission is to help our clients become more data driven, more data intelligent, and more data intelligent for us means dealing in a very intelligent way with data. Where are you seeing most of your clients, let's say, need your help to become data-driven or more data-driven? Like, where, you know, what's, what's driving that need for, for, for the clients you get to work with these days? When I started, and back in the days, you still need to do a bit of uh, evangelization on, on data. While today, that has been done. So we know a lot of our clients, they understand the value, but what they truly need is a partner. Because if you're in the data world, it's actually extremely multidisciplinary. Uh, you have data governance, data engineering, we build data products. So our goal at clients or the need we try to address is help them end to end from a business problem to get to a tangible data product that actually works. Are you supplying talent for each of those types of roles that you just mentioned? I guess data science, data engineering, data government. Is that is that essentially how you do that? That's indeed part of our offering. Um, uh, we work together in three different ways. We can do end to end projects. So we deliver talent, expertise, we do purely advisory, um, we help in building their teams, but it's always about talent. And talent for me is a combination of the right expertise with the right mindset. The right expertise with the right mindset, yeah. And the second thing is extremely important. I think there are a lot of people who have uh, expertise, but we try to make a difference uh, at our clients in combining that with a mindset to get uh, things done. All right, so uh, so let, let's talk about that mindset if we could. That's that's a really interesting point. Um, I guess folks can learn technical skills, data engineering, uh, data management, etc. The mindset is is where you're saying a lot of the emphasis is that that uh, that you're putting into into the mix on these these projects. So, what mindset should we all think about embracing? The mindset we have summarized it in in, in three words which is also our tagline, it's uh, uh, achieve impact uh, together. For me, the achieve part is you cannot be satisfied with just one meeting, an excellent slide deck, a strategy, a great idea. It's, it's a part in a puzzle, but it's only a part. So you need to achieve something. And what we want to achieve is not necessarily 
a complex model, a data lake, roles and responsibilities. Uh, we want to achieve uh, impact. And you can only have impact when you see an evolution, a change. I think that's what really drives us is we have talented data people who get energy from not only doing data work, but making sure things at clients change. And in a way we do it uh, together. And it's on the last part that the mindset thing is very important because doing things together mean you need to have deep listening skills, understand what nearly what really needs to get done. You need to be able to dare to think uh, out of the box. There's a, there's a highly entrepreneurial character in our company. We call it uh, datapreneurs. Data pr datapreneur. Oh, like entrepreneur. an entrepreneur. Datapreneurs. Okay. But then, then uh, with data. So people who look for the value, who are not afraid to be challenged. Uh, and I think that's the, and that open the books who describe a fixed mindset and then a growth mindset. When you say together, you said that was a really meaningful component. Together with who, uh, right? So is it just, just the data people together amongst no, themselves? No, what, what do you mean by that? Together means uh, the broader stakeholders and ecosystem of the client, but also in our own company, but also at client side. So together means uh, you need to have people on board from business side. And if you cannot create that feeling that if you do data initiatives, that you do it for the business and together with them, you'll get stuck along the road. And that's why the, the having uh, communication skills, being able to make meaningful connections with people, that's so essential in getting definitely also within data intelligence or data governance, in, in getting it out of the regulatory of IT sphere. It's a way it works if you can do it on a journey uh, together with uh, business stakeholders, because that's where you can have impact. Let's say, what have you observed with the relationship between datapreneurs and data people and data uh, talent? And as you say, business stakeholders, like that relationship, what's your thinking around evolving it from order taking, right? Business person saying, I have business problem, solve my business problem with data, please, right? That's one type of relationship. How, how do you get them really together so that they're all actually, let's say, solving problems together? One of the things we, we, we find really important is um, when starting to work on data missions is first of all, assure you cannot do things together. You cannot learn each other if you don't spend time together. That's as easy as it is. So we try when uh, solving data puzzles is to get very quick and immediate feedback from the right uh, business stakeholders. Because if you can get quick feedback, you learn a lot. First of all, are they present at meetings? Sometimes people are present, but they're not mentally present. So you learn by, by getting close interactions, even if you could continue delivering great stuff initially without the feedback, we still demand it because it's a way to nurture the relationship. And it's a way to learn and to understand what's really important. Secondly, you also need executive buy-in. It's a bit the carrot and the stick, right? We try, we try to use the carrot by having close feedback, but also doing it in a way that's nice. People underestimate the impact of having nice, humorful interactions with people. People will be more uh, opening up, sharing what's truly on their mind, together with um, being able on the executive level or C level to have buy-in from people who can also break silos get budget approval and make sure there's room room to get things done. Because if people don't make time for something, they deem it's not important enough. 
having that time spent together is uh, extremely important. Okay, so then when we tie that with the impact is the thing, I think you're you're saying that those business stakeholders are going to view as the important outcome from from the data project, right? That we're talking about. So let's let's talk about that word impact for a minute. Tell us more about what you mean by impact. You said the word change. So change change in kind of what? It's a broad thing, right? Impact. It says everything and nothing. However, it's a deliberate choice because impact differs from person to person, from industry to industry. But what's really important to understand is what's the business strategy and what are the expected outcomes of certain data missions or data products. There is only a business strategy, right? And data is, in 90% of the cases, is an enabler. Our role there is to really get into a critical thinking mode and help clients understand what they truly expect as a business outcome and which role data can play. That's also why I find it sometimes astonishing that people try to convince stakeholders of C-level of the importance of data governance as a whole, while in essence, it's, it's, a, it's a part of every data product. It's something you need to do. It's the same as when you, I don't know, when you buy a car, you don't necessarily try to discuss, do we need this type of brake or that type of brake? Everybody knows you need a brake. So you look at the car in general. That's why the communication skills and the soft skills part for people in the data industry are so massively important. You cannot be an excellent data engineer if you do not grasp the rationale why that data pipeline is critical to your client. Um, and a client or a business can be a person, it can be a team, it can be a, a true part of their business strategy, but it always, for us, it needs to have that uh, impact because if you start having impact on people's lives or people's uh, careers, it's then when the together part becomes uh, closer. I love it. Yeah. So just making sure that your data project, let's call it a project because that project could be, I think like you said, it could be a data product that's being built. Perhaps it's a process or some infrastructure or things like that. The outcomes from doing that work need to have meaning for the business. And, you know, the word data strategy, uh, I kind of li like where you're going with this, right? Um, a data strategy separate from a business strategy doesn't feel right to you. We mostly talk, for instance, about data tactics. Is once you have a business strategy, you can define the tactics on how do I need to get this done? How do I need to organize myself? Um, what do I need to achieve that business strategy? That's why I always also find it a bit astonishing if disconnected from business strategy, people try to draw uh, data teams, define new roles. Well, I'm like, it's it's an enabler, right? It's rarely a goal in itself. It's part of the pathway in which an organization wants to grow. The extension of that could be you might be creating data products that are commercially, of course, right, part of your part of your commercial offerings also as an organization, right? So, not not only is it part of the strategy, it's it is the strategy, uh, it is the strategy, right? Because it's part of your offerings. So I, I think you know that gets even more more impact. Well, that's, in a way, that one's that one's easier to measure. Because there's there's a cost and a and a return on the on the value that's pretty pretty, uh, let's say tangible on the right? value of the entire product, which makes far more sense. I think there's an error in uh, thinking sometimes when it comes to data initiatives. People try to calculate the value of a of a very small use cases that's really data related but not really connected to the business. And like everybody knows, if you work out regularly, if you have a decent physical activity in the long run, it's good for your health, right? Everybody knows it's a beneficial. And then sometimes 
uh, it would be the question on what's the value of one training. It's very difficult to calculate because you can always skip one training. If you skip one training and you do the other 99, it doesn't really matter. What if you're someone that skips a lot of trainings? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> then you should tell your friend that in the <laughs> long run, there will be effects. Um, I hope your friend has a decent uh, uh, metabolism and maybe he's eating good cells by nature and then that's fine for your friend. Maybe he's lucky. Maybe he's just lucky. and he, uh, uh, So you don't always need to be uh, okay, disciplined. Well, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll, tell, I'll help that friend. Anyway, yeah. so c continue. So if you skip one workout, maybe that doesn't hurt the, the grand scheme of things, right? So that probably doesn't hurt in big data intelligence programs. It's a bit the same. So it doesn't make sense to calculate the value of a business class three or of uh, one specific small use case. Because it's all part of a more disciplined approach to become more data-driven in the longer run. It makes more sense to, if we do want to calculate value and use a spreadsheet, which makes sense, then we need to do it from a data product point of view. What's the expected outcome? And of course, you might need data. You could potentially also need uh, machinery, need humans, need a marketing strategy. But we don't calculate the individual so we need to dare to look at the at data as part of, yeah, truly as part of business and of a, of a business plan and not necessarily focus on a small step on one workout. And it's impossible to calculate. It's not the right question to ask. The analogy with the data world is we still see a lot of, uh, uh, for instance, data maturity programs, which truly makes sense. It makes sense. I don't think we can... I have a doubt in the fact that if you consistently educate people on the importance of data, their data skills, that it is beneficial in the long run because data is more prominent, so you will be more successful in the long run. But then it doesn't make sense to calculate the value of a specific piece of that program because you can always skip one workout, but if you skip too many, your whole effect drops. Let's let's continue this analogy, and you think of your different maybe your different data roles or different parts of the, <laughs> different parts of the anatomy your your you know arms legs etc right that you're working out uh, an executive is going to say all right well what does it cost us to do this program to mature this data program to serve the business and drive business outcomes right because you're going to want to manage and be efficient with those costs as well so you know your data engineers, your arms, uh, your, your data intelligence and data governance people, your data quality people, et cetera, legs, brains, all of that have costs. How do you help us tie them all together to help data teams have their discussions with their executive teams, uh, finance teams on, on budgeting and, and managing staff to, to drive those outcomes? There's indeed a challenge, right? Because the cost is uh, visible, uh, while the outcomes tend to be spread in time. An important way to approach it is um, we believe in a world where people in leadership positions should be able to do what's right and not necessarily to do something that fits in a budget that's only one year ahead. It's the same in politics. It's the same in sports. If you really want to go far, you need to have a dot on the horizon within a, a couple of years and you need to have a strategic view. And we highly engage with C-level stakeholders and try to firstly understand what's their strategic view for their organization, their team in a couple of years span. And first you need to be aligned on that view. 
if you are aligned on that view, the path forward mostly makes easy sense. And people also understand and then understand that there's a cost associated and outcomes can be uncertain. However, if you engage in the discussion on benefits versus costs, but you didn't align on the strategic view, then you get lost. So I think it's more a matter of uh, aligning on that view and understanding the type of leadership. We like to first have that joint dream and understand, do they also have what it takes to dream beyond maybe their function or their position? And those are the type of uh, people we love working with. Yeah, you know, and I, and I love this thinking around it. You're using you're using entrepreneurial, datapreneurial kind of kind of words and phrases here, right? You know, dreaming, daring to achieve together, right across the business that alignment. Now, the concept of datapreneur, you know, tiger teams that just go tackle a problem, build a solution, right, experiment on trying to find some some value there. I imagine that that's part of the secret sauce. Maybe uh, tell us tell us about how you approach some of those. Let's say innovative innovation exercises as as datapreneurs. It's part of our uh, DNA. One of the and it's also something we try to help our clients actively with is attracting the right talent. And there's a firm belief that if you want to solve uh, complex problems, I think the key thing you need to do is bring the right types of people together. Because if you bring the right mix of bright people together. They generally have one gift, and that is they will find uh, ways to solve problems. If you look in uh, history, a lot of, even on global level, a lot of big challenges have been nicely uh, taken or solved by just having a small group of people who are willing to work together, putting their ego aside, and being more a, a servant type of leadership rather than a controlling or demand. So one of the things we, when it comes to attracting uh, talent, we raise, we have a very, very high standard. And we also try to uh, inspire our clients to do the same, to not necessarily look for uh, only expertise, but to look for those kinds of people who uh, have like a general, genuine uh, urge ahead, who by nature, they don't need to be motivated to get things done. Uh, the opposite. They get demotivated if they don't have problems to solve. And if you can find those people, it's immense how a small team can create a huge impact if they have the mindset of bringing people together and then it becomes truly scalable. And you often feel it in uh, job applications or you feel when you talk to somebody who is genuine. We need to dare to take decisions based on 50, 70 5% facts, data, rational behavior, and 25% definitely when it comes to people. Gut feeling is a, is a highly underestimated uh, superpower. Especially when you've got that small team of uh, very motivated folks that are working together to achieve some sort of outcome. You know, you've got different lifetimes of experiences and wisdom and, uh, you know, let's say successes and scars and all of that that are brought to the table as that as that team comes together and, and ideas can come out of seemingly nowhere. Yes, and energy starts flowing because of the group dynamic. And also if you want to put things in motion, if you want to achieve impact, you need to always have the energy level high enough because that's what keeps machinery going right. Uh, and also, yeah, 
for people in leadership positions, it's so important to get that energy level in teams high enough because the more siloed organizations are challenged, that's when they become complex. So you need to have people who want to break through uh, silos if you need to combine uh, marketing, sales objectives, risks, because also data resides in silos, right? Uh, often it's it's also even data teams are siloed where you have governance teams and engineers. So the goal is to to build things that show everybody that if you combine efforts, you can do things that are uh, truly impactful. And that's where also the yeah, the the excitement and the joy lies. All right, so you're you're connecting data work to business strategy, and we're talking about you know these small teams that that come come together uh, to to achieve to achieve uh, an outcome from from an initiative. How do you know when it's done? How do you know much how, how much effort to put into it? How to go from invent mode to operational run mode? Right? How do you, how do we start making that transition? I don't want to say pivot. I, I'd like to say maybe transition from creative mode to running mode. Because I think that's a challenge that a lot of folks face. It's exciting to build, and then you and some people might be motivated by building the next thing, perhaps rather than operating the, the thing that they just built. Right. So, how do we make that transition in businesses? What are you What are you seeing out there? Yeah, I see a lot of parallels with uh, starting a company. In the first years, you start a company. You first need to make sure you get traction, and you get funding. It's the same when you build innovative data products. First of all, you need to make sure you can create a kind of vibe and buzz, and you need to make sure you have enough resources or budget to stay alive. Uh, and that's why it's an entrepreneurial endeavor. You don't have the resources yet to do what you want to achieve. So first, you need to test and validate, is what we want to do feasible? And therefore, you need feedback. Once you're beyond that point, that's often the point where you see enthusiasm or excitement or more interest also from sea level and that's a point where you need to start uh, scaling a bit not necessarily moving to production or thinking about all the complex things uh, because if you do that too quickly you the, the gap is too big between what people are willing to do and what's needed once you move beyond beyond that point and you start having a, a true mvp that's already proving some kind of value that's when we in parallel start thinking okay what needs to be done to at a certain point in time, get this into a production and operational mode. And the goal is to do that in parallel while still building your product. Because if you wait too long, you have the risk of getting like a, a critical data product, something that's of real value, but not having the operational support or the supporting systems around it to deliver it or to keep on delivering it. So the goal is then to scale the product. And it's the same, that's why I create the parallel with building a company. Uh, you always need to do two things at once. You need to get your business up and running, make sure you have happy clients, happy people. That's the best guarantee on a happy PL. But at the same time, you need to prepare the next growth phase. And when you build data products, it's the same. You need to have a mindset of convincing users, making sure it's valuable, get your funding. At the same time, think about which decisions do we need to take today that if this needs to scale, we can get it done. And it's that's, that's like two lanes. Uh, that's why it's exciting, right? Because it's uh, uh, not always easy, but so nice to do. 
And also there you have the together part because if you want to move things to production again, uh, it's partly our responsibility to to get it done. But it's often clients who get it into their production systems who need to get trained. So the togetherness is really a uh, it's together with business, but also together with uh, with the operations guys or, or IT or yeah, cost of doing business right uh, winds up you know moving into that run mode. Continuing on that journey of building data products and in this datapreneurial way uh, with uh, the togetherness across different types of roles and functions around an organization, it all sounds great. Quick experimenting, building, I think you, you said an MVP, a minimum viable product, getting adoption, getting funding, et cetera. What are some of the risks or pitfalls associated with with experiments that might fail or or trying to make that transition too quickly or not quickly enough let's like what what are some some things to watch out for how should we think about about that that's a great question i think one of the things we often see is uh, let's say you start a new a new journey a new endeavor a new type of project new initiative uh, in the beginning you're successful but at a certain point in time you feel it's not going as we wanted to one of the things uh, we always bear in mind there is, um, uh, do you know uh, Wilfredo Pareto? So he, he was an uh, Italian, um, uh, I think, economist who actually saw that 80% of the houses in Italy were owned by only 20% of the people. We sometimes refer to it as the, um, uh, or use an analogy, which is the reverse Pareto effect, which means 80% of your problems are caused by 20% of the context of the situations. Okay, um, yeah. 80% of your problems are caused only by 20% 20 of, your, of the, the context the, of the, the situations, situation you're in, the circumstances. Yes. Which means that if you can influence the context, you can solve 80% of your problems. But what you can also do is start to think critically, are we making an error in our thinking or is the context we're in still the right one? And that means taking a step back. And sometimes there you see that... Uh, if you can influence that that context you're in, so maybe you've, you've lost uh, sponsorship, maybe the industry you're in or the company you're in has changed the objectives or just understanding that, sometimes you need to take a step back and that suddenly can solve a lot of the constraints that were hampering you. And that's why, why you call it the reverse uh, Pareto effect. Oh, that's fascinating. All right, so let's let's take some examples. Let's say Let's say a team builds a data product and I think you were saying one of the 20% examples might be you've, you've lost sponsorship. So as you were explaining earlier, uh, you want to go from your MVP data product into transitioning into, into run mode, et cetera. So now as you're, as you're moving through your data product development and you find that you're losing sponsorship from your original business partners, let's say, on your data product, that's your 20%. That had, that is affecting your your eighty percent outcome. So what do we do? Do we shop for another sponsor, like or what? What do you what, what do you recommend? Maybe first is losing sponsorship is not something that it would be easy if a sponsor would write an email and says, "I'm losing you, guy. You have just lost my sponsorship," which never happens. It's silent loss. It happens over time. People lose belief. So you always need to be mindful, again, with a part of the discussion we had, having close feedbacks, keep on having those interactions and having an eye on that sponsorship, making sure you never lose it, that you don't win a sponsor over 
and then let them go and then expect after a year that you say, hey, this is what we built that you're excited, right? So it can happen over time. So sometimes taking a step back and seeing why isn't it going as we want to? Hey, are we losing sponsorship? That's what we mean with being really critical about the constraints and are they still in place or not? If you obviously then feel that you are uh, losing sponsorship, let's say that's a, that's a fact, that's a proven assumption, then obviously there can be so many reasons why sponsorship is diminishing. Maybe the underlying business objective has changed. Also there, there's rarely an email communication saying, hey, uh, so it's things you need to be so closely together with to understand, maybe that's changed. That doesn't mean your work has become obsolete. It may mean that you need to use different features. And that's the reason why, again, those closed feedback loops are so extremely important. Yeah, well, what got built was effective at one point in time, and perhaps that's changed because the climate's different, the needs are different, uh, et cetera, right? And what I'm hearing you say is not having a close, regular relationship across the, t the together part uh, means you're sort of losing the alignment with strategy. With both strategy and daily reality, because strategy can still, strategy can still be the same, but sometimes uh, daily reality People can get so occupied or things happen, which means the uh, whole organization is faced towards solving an operational issue or the house is on fire. Yeah, when the house is on fire, nobody's thinking about what should we do within five years because there's no house within five years if you don't uh, get the fire out. Therefore, those interactions and also understanding clients' pure business model, it seems easy to do. But in reality, really understanding how your client operates, what's their true business model, how do they make money or, or how do they do what they do, is also critical in understanding if this happens, does it influence the core, uh, okay, uh, the core of what you do uh, or not? Part of the reason for th that change, right, uh, in, in losing sponsorship could be situational, like it's a 20% of the situation, right? And that situation could be the business climate's changed or it could be the strategy's changed. And if you don't have that constant communication between everybody that's in that together bubble, those changes, if we're not always together on that and aware of each other, that's kind of a contributor. Uh, I think that's 100% uh, correct. So you need to have a, a good outlook on two things, on the business strategy and the way a company is uh, the path is following and on daily reality and because daily reality can be of such let's say if the house is on fire nobody's wondering about what will we do within three to five years because maybe there's no house so you need to understand what's what's going on what's the pure business model how are clients making uh, making money organizations can be truly inventive and in how they generally use their assets and be profitable. So having a good understanding on that and that understanding can only be done by obviously being genuinely interested, uh, curious, but having those close interactions. And if you lose the connection with daily reality and business outcome, if you're in that situation, that is 80, 90, 95% of your problem because you will start operating in a kind of uh, isolated or on an island. I think it happens more than you think that people, whether it's data or other technology initiatives, are a bit isolated on a, like an island thingy, which can seem comfortable, but it's not. You never have impact if you only do comfortable things. You can achieve, but you don't have the impact and together. Right. Sorry, right. So you're, you're, you're missing, it's only a third of the, the thing. So, hey, so this, this, um, 
this understanding and this context, that local context in in reverse Pareto, the twenty percent, it's kind of a two way thing. I would I would think right. So there's the data people as a part of that bubble, that together bubble. You know, they need to understand the business strategy, the business climate, the daily reality. Are are their fires burning? It's also the other way around too. I would think right. So business people need to have some degree of daily understanding of what it takes to build a data product, right? It's not, hey, press the easy button and it, and it just works in two weeks. Uh, like there's work to be done. There's infrastructure to have. There's processes, et cetera. So there's an opportunity here, maybe a need, I think, for data people to help educate without preaching, right? So how, how, how can we data people communicate with, with our business friends on that level so that they have a, a closer appreciation perhaps of what it takes so that we really are together. Cause I think it is a two way street. I think I'm kind of hearing you say that. And let's talk about the other, the other side of that street. That's one of the reasons why, for instance, if we engage in data maturity programs, one of the key cornerstones there is also educate business in a fun way of what it takes. We try to take them under the hood for them to understand what it, if you open the car, is it complex? And you would often be astonished with how people are actually unaware of the complexity of some things, but also it helps in raising, let's say, in getting the expectation level at a reasonable, like at a, at a better level. And you know that yeah, like um, happiness is often the, the difference between how you perceive reality, so not necessarily the reality, but how you perceive it, and what you expected it to be. And the difference between that, it's how if people feel satisfied or not. So also showing them uh, sometimes the complexity, it helps. And also when it comes to budget discussion and things like that, uh, to get a better understanding, and it avoids a lot of frustration, actually. Yeah, yeah. Look, I guess the cynical view of that could be, you know, under promise, over deliver, right? You need to be fair, right? You could do, and also cynical way of looking at it is saying, yeah, we just, uh, it's just sell things. You say, oh, it's an easy, uh, yes, this AI algorithm will change your world or this set of dashboards and it's not complex. It's only a matter of days. And then clients say, oh, wow, if it's only a matter of days. Let's do it. And then you start and then you say, ah, it was more complex than we thought, but actually you knew it from the start. It would be more complex. So. I think it's more a, a way of being transparent, uh, being fair, than maybe sometimes also while engaging with people who have a less technical background, sometimes you also get great ideas from, because they ask uh, the same type of questions, yes, simple questions, but those are most of the time, they're the most valuable questions. Why do you need to build this pipeline? Is it really needed to put data quality monitoring on it? That's an excellent question. Can you skip it? Yeah, this is great. Yeah, transparency, objective transparency without the emotion, right? You know, I, I, yeah, exactly. Can I end with what, one tip? Lay it, lay it on me. For data teams, also hire people in data teams who can build that connection, whether it's data strategist roles or data roles, doesn't really matter. But really to all data leaders out there, whether it's CDO or data governance manager or lead data engineers, whatever, be mindful on also having people in your team who can build uh, connections, who have that skill set and mindset. I think it's very valuable. Mindset. This seems to be a critical key thing to being successful at uh, being a data-driven organization. 
Sure, there's technical nuts and bolts, data role, skill sets, and expertise, but being data-driven kind of takes everybody. As Nico said, it's in their DNA. We don't just do mindset either though, do we, right? I think what we just learned here is that there's some deliberate ways of thinking, behaving, and collaborating that make up this mindset. Uh, what a cool term, uh, datapreneur, right? That was the term. What a cool term. It implies so much, that uh, daring to take on challenges attitude. Um, that seems really important to embrace. Uh, deep listening skills, to really hear the language of business that you're in, the goals, and for sure, the strategy. Making meaningful connections across your organization is such a key. Nico's mindset mantra was achieve impact together. And while it sums this whole thing up pretty nicely, you know, what it really does is it gives us a framework, right? A direction to be deliberate with this mindset. It demands organizational collaboration. There's no data strategy separate from a business strategy. Data work is a part of the organization's strategy. And what good is that if we're not measuring progress on execution, right? All toward outcomes and goals and objectives meaning the targets that measure the impact of your strategy. Finally, uh, notice that I haven't used the word alignment. The right word here is collaboration. Nico called that together. That's gonna be the key, I think, to solving the puzzle of being data-driven. You know, we here at Calibra often say that everybody is a data citizen, and that's so connected to what Nico walked us through today. When everyone throughout an organization is speaking the same language through data, helping each other succeed on the organization's mission and strategy by using data, then data-driven really gets embedded in your DNA. And that sounds like a plan for success to me. For Calibra, this is The Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and we'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.